afternoon. I have to tell you, that ride up the canyon was glorious today. Amazing. You know, the colors of the trees and the water is clear, so when it's sparkling and the sun is coming through it, it's full of diamonds. How amazing that that is. So in the midst of all the chaos that seems to be going on in, in, our, in our culture today, God is still in control. Yeah, and God is still doing His thing, and uh, and He's still bringing about the redemption that He promised that He would bring. Are you with me here? Yeah. Um, is it okay if I stand right here, or is there a better place for me to stand? Can you see me all right here? All right. Well, as you know, a major invasion has been happening in America for the last few years. And this invasion is not just people who are swarming across our southern border. This invasion seems to be taking place in our political system, in our economy, in our medicine, our medical system, our ethics, our education, our morality. And there is no way that we can look around ourselves and pretend that everything is just fine just the way that it used to be. For most Americans, regardless of your politics, um, we feel invaded. We, we, we don't feel secure, you know. Um, it's a frightening time for many. And we're kind of confused as to how to deal with, with all these changes that are going on around us. But, that, you know, that's a very important word, that word, but. It means that uh, disregard what I just told you about because something better is, is coming our way. And I didn't com come up here today to talk about the problems with immigration and vaccines and recession and inflation and politics, but I did come here to talk about an invasion, a more important invasion that we need to address. What you may not know is the greatest invasion in America today is spiritual. It's spiritual. You won't hear about it in the evening news. But the kingdom of God is invading our nation. And the reason that we know that, it is bringing to light and exposing corruption and sin in a way that we have not seen for a long time. And when the kingdom of God invades a nation, it's always inconvenient. It never happens at a time that would make us feel like it's always an interruption. But it's also our only hope and our, our only salvation. Are you still with me? Or are you ready to stone me? <laughs> You know, I've been praying for at least 10 years, at least a decade, that the Holy Spirit would come and reveal the hidden corruption that is in the soul of America. Because there's something rotten and stinky, and it's everywhere. The invasion of the Holy Spirit is like a doctor who is lancing a boil exposing the stents and the corruption and the disease that's hidden beneath it. But that's vital 
if healing and cleansing are going to take place. The question before us this afternoon is this. Are we going to welcome that holy invasion? Are we going to welcome that holy invader, even if it's disruptive in our lives, and we'd rather deny it and pretend like it's not happening and pretend like everything is going just fine? If you have your Bibles there, let's open them to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. This is one of the pivotal chapters in the whole of the Bible. In Acts chapter 16, the gospel moves from Asia to Europe. And that's two, two very different worldviews that were going on in Asia and the Oriental way of thinking and in Europe and the European way of thinking. Also in Acts chapter 16, a Gentile scholar, historian, medical doctor named Luke joins Paul's team. Before that, as he writes the story in Acts, he always tell, is telling third person about what goes on. But when he gets into Acts 16, he suddenly uses the pronoun we, and then we went here. That is an amazing thing. Luke, who would later write both the gospel uh, that bears his name and the text that we read today. In Acts chapter 16, we read the story of Jesus' inconvenient invasion. I want you to hold out of those words. Inconvenient invasion into the lives of at least four specific people. Now, why do we say inconvenient? Because when Jesus shows up and his word invades our hearts, it's always inconvenient. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. When Jesus comes, it's always a threat because he always exposes things we would rather not have exposed. Paul and his team arrive in Philippi in response to a vision that Paul had received of a man from Macedonia, that's just to the north of Greece, begging him to come over and help them. This meant an invasion into enemy territory. They would no longer be, as I said, in Asia, but they would be now in Europe. They would no longer be surrounded by the Jewish culture and the Jewish people, but by pagan Gentile people. Like Jesus leaving heaven, it was an inconvenient invasion for the sake of the salvation of the people to whom he is going. Are you with me here or am I by myself? <laughs> Upon his arrival in Philippi, Paul learns that the few Jews, and there was probably very few, who lived there in Philippi, they would meet outside the city at the river once a week for prayer. Now Paul, as you know, was an ordained rabbi. So these Jews would have been excited to have him there. And Paul uses the opportunity to share the story of Jesus with them. And one of them who were gathered there at the river for prayer that morning was a wealthy international businesswoman named Lydia. She was not Jewish, but she followed and respected the Ten Commandments. And the Holy Spirit opened her heart to the gospel. 
And she invited Paul and his whole missionary team to come and stay in her mansion while they were in town. Now, would you have opened your home to that kind of inconvenient invasion by these strangers? The Holy Spirit must have been to work. Lydia did that. And for the next few weeks, Lydia provided room and board for Paul and for his team. And Paul taught daily from the Bible that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament and was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And then they ran into a little more inconvenient adversity. A slave girl who was possessed by a demon who claimed to foretell the future. You know how they do that, don't you? You see, demons are invisible, right? And they can be almost anywhere they want. So they're privy to conversations. They're privy to all kinds of stuff like that. So they can make pretty good predictions. They don't really know the future. But they can make some pretty good predictions about what's going on. That people would pay money to get that information. This girl began following them and making a scene. And we don't know what the scene was. Maybe these, this demon was mocking her or mocking them. Maybe not, maybe, but whatever it was, it was a disruption. It was interrupting them, but after a few days of this, Paul turned to the young girl and he cast out the demon. Now you would think that this would have been cause for great rejoicing, that this little girl had been set free. But when the girl's owners realized they couldn't exploit the girl anymore, as a fortune teller, they went to the authorities and complained that these foreigners were throwing the city into an uproar. Well, that's pretty inconvenient. Remember, the Holy Spirit is revealing hidden corruption. Praise God for that. The magistrates, city leaders, who cared more about keeping the peace than they did about delivering this young woman from demonic possession, ordered Paul and Silas illegally, Rome was big on the law, but ordered them illegally arrested, beaten, and thrown into the deepest dungeon in the city. How inconvenient. But the inconvenient reality is that God specializes in invading our darkness with his light. In invading our darkness with his light. And exposing our corruption with his holiness. Are you thankful for that? What other hope do we have? There in the dark and in a stench of the dungeon, arms and legs locked in stocks, backs bleeding and bruised, Paul and Silas begin to pray and sing hymns of praise to God. Can you imagine it? Their voices are floating up through the darkness of the dungeon. And the other prisoners and the jailer are listening. And the aroma of Jesus is invading the darkness, both physically and spiritually. Are you with me here? Suddenly there was a violent earthquake. 
The air was filled with dust. The cell doors fell off their hinges. The chains dropped off the arms and legs of the prisoners. When the jailer woke up and he saw all the doors were wide open, he pulled his sword to kill himself because he knew if one prisoner escaped, his life would be forfeit. But Paul, looking up out of the deepest part of the cell, sees what's happened. He calls out to the jailer, Don't harm yourself! We're all here. The jailer called for lights and he rushed down and he knelt before Paul and Silas. You see, he'd been listening as these men had been praying, as these men had been singing praise to God. He'd never experienced anything like that in his life before. The bars and doors on his heart was invaded and broken open. Sirs, he said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul responded with one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your households. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit specializes in inconvenient invasions? Aren't you glad that he is willing to invade the darkness within our own lives for the sake of our salvation? That's what happened to Paul on the Damascus Road, wasn't it? God invaded his life. And now it's happening in the Philippian jail. And if you're a Christian, somewhere on the line, somewhere along the line, this has happened to you. God has invaded your life for the sake of your salvation because he loves you. He's come and found you when you couldn't find him. He broke uninvited into your life. He came to you when you would not go to him. Brothers and sisters, the only hope to heal the deep corruption and brokenness in America today is the inconvenient invasion of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The jailer took Paul and Silas home with him. Oh, once more the Holy Spirit sets up another inconvenient invasion into the home and family of this jailer. What do you think his wife said? Oh, you're doing what? Brought home Paul and Silas. They were all, oh, they must have smelled terrible. The jailer washes them, and he tends their wounds, and he feeds them. And then he and his whole family were baptized. And the church in Philippi was born. The light on a lampstand was set up in this pagan city of Philippi. That city would never be the same again. Let me ask you again. Aren't you glad God specializes in inconvenient invasions? If God did that in Philippi, can he do it again in America today? Yes, of course he can. He already is. And the evidence for that is this. 
What we are experiencing today is the exposing of a corruption that has been hidden for decades. That's what we are seeing. Are you willing for God to invade your life, your business, your heart, your marriage, and expose those things that need to be changed and healed? Are you willing? If so, say, please, Lord, please, please come. Reveal what needs to be changed. We all have places. Places in our hearts and minds, our relationships, where we resist the invasion of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we say, I can do it myself. Maybe we say, I'm too ashamed to admit it. But we can't open the door on our own. Places of darkness and shame, even bondage, where we feel it would be most inconvenient if God were to show up. But that's why Jesus came. Remember, Jesus chose to enter our world by being born into the darkness and cold of a stable full of manure. And that was a sign to us that he is more than willing to come and invade the darkness, the stinkiest, most corrupt places in your heart and mind with his cleansing and forgiveness and joy. Is that good news? When Lydia heard what Paul and Silas shared with her about Jesus, she said, that's what I've been looking for all my life. She opened her heart to Jesus and he filled her with a hope and a purpose that all her wealth and business success had not been able to fill. We aren't told what happened to the slave girl. But I'm guessing that she remembered the word that the demon had said through her. These men are servants of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. And I want to believe that she laid hold of the name of Jesus. That he filled her emptiness with a peace and a love and a sense of belonging that she had never known before. How about the men who owned her and abused her? They had certainly seen the light and truth of Jesus. They'd watched a demon be cast out. But I can't help but wonder if instead of repenting and turning to him, they rejected him and continued to worship the demons of power and wealth. How tragic. How sad. How empty. How futile. How blind. How sad that would be. The jailer and his family, however, laid it all on the line to respond and follow this Jesus. And we don't know what happened in the long run with the jailer and his family. Maybe he lost his job. You know, that's possible. Maybe he lost his life. Or maybe he became one of the elders in the infant congregation in Philippi. How about the city magistrates? Their lives, their political careers had been inconveniently invaded by this Jesus. What did they do? Did they deny it, ignore it, reject it, accept it? We don't know. But they would never be the same because Jesus had invaded their life. An inconvenient encounter with a holy invader named Jesus had disrupted their lives for the sake of their eternal salvation. But how did they respond? 
We don't know. Hopefully we'll meet them in heaven someday. But it really doesn't matter how they responded. What matters this afternoon is how you and I respond. 